Hey guys, welcome to the Mom Voice. This is Lauren and Sarah with episode 66. Okay, this might be my very favorite interview that we're going to do because oh, we have big. a special guest in studio and her name is Chanel Cazette and she is the gut girl. The gut Hi, girl. Chanel. Hi, Hi Chanel. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> we're so glad to have you. We're so glad to have you. And I have been looking forward to this episode for like so long. I know we've like chased you down pretty much. Mm-hmm. Chased you down all the way to Salt Lake City. We're here in Utah recording. We're we, really excited. We are. And we're so excited. So to give you like a brief background on Chanel, she is a functional nutritionist who specializes in autoimmune issues and just overall nutrition. She has created and launched a product line called Love Your Gut. She has this amazing website, ChanelCosette.com. And then I also have ShopLoveYourGut.com. ShopLoveYourGut.com. And so many like great resources for the whole gut issue, really. It's amazing. And then you have one daughter, Coco. Mm -hmm. Um, She's a new mom. And how old is Coco? Coco is one. One. Just barely turned one. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. That's such a fun time. It's the very best. Yeah. So this episode is going to be focused on your gut health. And we have a lot of really good questions. We are just dying to pick your brain. Well, and it's funny because Sarah and I joke, we're like, Sarah claims she doesn't know anything about the gut. But I'm like, I'm sure you know more than you think. Um, but so we did take the approach, just FYI. I did not research as much. So Lauren researched yeah. this one a lot well, more. Well, I wouldn't even say that I researched. But like my exposure to this, my sister has a daughter that's autistic. And so she has done so much research in like the gut and how it manages the body and the brain activity and all the things. And really trying to get her daughter on a really um, beneficial you know, clean diet that really helps that. So I like have some exposure to it and I know that it really influences like, you know, the body, the brain, everything. So we're going to dive into it all, but I guess let's, let's start with you, Chanel. Tell us a little bit like about your background or what brought you to this kind of, you know, specialty. Yeah. Specialty. It is random. It's really random, but when I was, so when I very first started college, I decided to go to business school because my work at the time, they paid for 90% of my tuition. Oh, excellent. Okay. Well, like, yeah, okay. I guess I'll do that. And I was, I was born into poverty and because of that, it kind of influenced my decision to even want to go to college. If I was going to go all of those different things, when my work decided, oh, we're going to pay for 90% of your tuition. Business school it is. Sign yeah. me up. So I was in school. I really wanted to get done as quickly as possible. I did not love my job. I was in collections, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, and sure. Nobody That's wants to be one. on that end of that phone call. Sure. Yeah, sure. I wanted to get done with school as quickly as possible. So I took tons of credits, and but I worked three jobs in order just to survive. Good for you. Yeah, but not good for my health. Yeah. Yeah. So lots of stress poor sleep. Mm. And I was participating in the fourth meal of the day at Taco Bell. I don't know if you remember when they came out with that. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) oh, I was McDonald's, their breakfast burritos, two of those for breakfast and a hash brown. I was Wendy's for lunch. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And then and so many of us are nodding because we know how that is. Those drive-throughs, the convenience, it's, so easy. It, it's cheap, all mm. the things. And how quickly it falls into feeding our children that way. Oh, like I'm the sure. ease of fast food, right? When you're oh, out totally. and about and busy and, oh my gosh. Yes, we've talked about this in previous episodes. Like it's my demise that I want to feed my children better. Right. So, yes. so bad habits, totally. Oh, yeah. And it was just because it was 
classes in the morning and then it was food and then it was a job and then it was back at classes and it was just this like it just got so bad uh so just a little bit I I had my very first period when I was 18 years old I was a senior in high school and what was surrounding that I'm not entirely sure but I was clearly unhealthy and Uh I was very underweight um but I was active so I thought everything was fine I had my first period I went from 85 pounds to almost 150 pounds within one year Wow! I grew five inches like I hit a growth spurt but on top of that I ate so poorly that I developed endometriosis and not that I'm not saying that all endometriosis is caused by your diet however it was a huge influencer I have no symptoms of endometriosis anymore and like you announced earlier I do have a baby and that is a lot harder when you have something like endometriosis Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so yeah, so going back, I there was just all these different things and my health just got so bad. And I went to a seminar from a naturopathic doctor and we bought something off GroupMe. And so my now husband, mm-hmm. but at the time my boyfriend, we went to this seminar and I just sat there amazed by what all these different foods do to the body. And every cell of the human body is literally made up of what you eat. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Talk about wanting to have quality. I had no idea. So I just sat there. I thought, man, my experience with food as a child was scarcity. Mm-hmm. And am I even going to get it? So just to go a step further and think, oh, well, fats help with my brain. And I need carbs for energy. And I need all of these different things. I had no idea. I never knew about the human microbiome, your good to bad bacteria ratio, none of that. I went to this seminar. I was like, all right, well. I need to figure this out. And I just started studying nutrition on the side. I still went to business school. I started studying nutrition on the side. And it came to that point where I thought, I have to switch. This This is is amazing. This is the fact that your genetics. So you are 10 times more genetic makeup of bacteria than human genetics. Wow. Oh my goodness. You have 10 times more bacterial genetics. And that is influenced by your stress, your sleep, your food, your air which is really fascinating because I can't change my eye color is green, Uh right? I'm not Uh going to be able to change that, but you better believe that I can change all these other genetics and there's epigenetics, which are learned genetics. And I had no idea that so much of my health was actually in my hands. And all these years I had putting, been putting my health in the hands of a doctor or the kid at the fast food restaurant. Like here, feed me the things that make, no. Why are we not teaching our children this in school? This is what I'm, I need to, like, we need to set out on oh a mission. Oh my gosh, like goosebumps. I'm feeling goosebumps, yeah. like how life-changing. Like, I know. Oh my gosh. Crazy. Revelation right now. Yeah. Um, that's well, incredible. Let's dive in. Explain what the, the gut, gut is. is. Yes. yes. This is the big question. Break Sarah this down been, for yes, me. Yes. Tell us about the gut. Because people hear that and they have probably, it's the stomach, it's the GI, it's all these different things. What is the gut? Well, that is complicated. It is complicated. When I talk about gut health, I actually don't just talk about, say, the colon, which a lot of people do talk about the colon. I talk about all of it from saliva Mm -hmm. all the way down to when you eliminate. Okay. And even elimination through your skin, right? You eliminate different ways. Uh, And so I talk, digestion really does first start in your mouth. When you, if you'll notice, you know how you, you start to salivate, Mm -hmm. you smell something real delicious and you know, you start to fill, your mouth starts to fill up. It's because that's triggering your body to create saliva, which has these digestive enzymes in it to start breaking down your food. Mm. And the majority of your carbohydrates are broken down in your mouth and in your esophagus before they ever even hit your stomach acid. 
Really? Yeah. Interesting. Wow. So, so it really does encompass the whole GI tract. Yeah. So when I talk about the gut, I talk about yeah. from beginning to end because it's really so inter- interconnected. Yeah. And I mean, you have poor digestion if you don't have the right amount of stomach acid, mm. right? If you have intestinal hyperpermeability, AKA leaky gut, mm-hmm. if you have too much bad bacteria, not enough good bacteria, uh, I had GERD. That was one of my health concerns mm-hmm. is gastroesophageal reflux disease. And it was because I, my body wasn't producing enough stomach acid. Mm. Interesting. And do you have the power to control that? Absolutely. Do you? I have zero. So people will say things are not reversible, Mm-hmm. which I don't know the proof of things not being reversible, but you can absolutely manage your symptoms. Interesting. Like, when I have a period, I don't have pain anymore. Mm. I used to have to be prescribed somas and Laura tabs for my periods because they were so excruciating. Mm-hmm. I, I've been hospitalized for them. Now, oh I don't even gosh. know when it's going to start. I have zero PMS. I have no pain. Mm. Oh pain is not even normal oh my gosh. for periods. Oh. But people don't tell you that. They were like, oh, might always made because of course you have painful periods. Oh my God. You're not supposed to. Girl, no. I, my, I, my head's spinning. There is so much here from no pain to periods to PMS <laughs> to the, all the things. My head is spinning. Hallelujah. Okay. Hey, 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 girl. <laughs> you teach us the ways. Okay. All right. Chanel, so tell us what is like signs of an unhealthy gut. Like, what are going to be like triggers or signs to just the average person that, well, there are things obviously we're probably all doing things wrong to be yeah, honest yeah. we're all probably doing things wrong for our body and our gut but like what are symptoms of a, a true like really unhealthy gut uh I would say some of the top ones would be skin issues eczema okay. psoriasis oh, uh, even acne can be very very connected with oh. the gut so those are the ones I see a lot especially with babies um another one obviously is acid reflux heartburn things like that okay mm-hmm. those ones if you feel sick like if you eat and you feel gassy and bloated and you feel uncomfortable so I've been kind of open I talk about I have constipation like always have always I deal with this weirdly enough the only time I don't is when I'm pregnant like I'm perfectly normal it's not odd I I don't know what's going on and I'm like but is that that, a sign of an unhealthy gut yes Yes. okay I figured it was obviously but yeah. Well, and then I'll just pipe in too. My, I, I feel like I'm pretty, I don't know, pretty normal, but with just whatever. I don't really have symptoms of things, but my husband, he has kind of like a chronic, like gnawing stomach pain. That's really like always there. I mean, it's a stomach pain would be a symptom of a gut issue, right? And I mean, she has seen doctors for yes, this. Yes, we have done I mean, the all col- of it. colonoscopy. We've done an ultrasound. We're like, is something in there? I mean, unfortunately, his father had stomach cancer, so we're like very on edge. So I'm like, um, so we've kind of checked into that. But I don't know, would that kind of link into gut? And does, I guess, constipation does, but does bowels too? Like bowel movements, how often you go to the bathroom, the kind of bowels that you have, does that tie into it or no? Is that kind of separate? No, same thing. Uh, So how it works is what's called motility. And motility is that movement that gets things moving through. You have peristalsic action, which is... Kind of like an accordion. I'm moving my hands a lot. Yeah, yeah you see. are. I love but this. But you, th- you move food through, and motility is heavily influenced by serotonin. Mm. Do you know what serotonin yes, is? right. Okay. In the brain, right? Yeah. Well, you say everybody thinks the brain. Only no. about 5% is in the brain. So where else is the serotonin? The rest is in the gut. 
Really? Yeah. The majority of your serotonin is produced in the gut. Your gut and your brain are connected by what's called your vagus nerve. And they send these neurotransmitters and that's how they communicate. And so you need that serotonin for motility to get things going at the right pace. Mm. Uh, That's why you see a lot of people who have anxiety or depression. A lot of times their bowel movements are heavily influenced where if they get stressed, explosive diarrhea or constipation oh, we're pointing I'm nodding we're like, right ah, there's a lot of nodding I, I, i'm known to be a stress case okay i have like mad anxiety I, not not mad anxiety i should not say that i have had points in my life where my anxiety's peaked and i have to kind of manage it and then it dies away and i'm doing great and all the things but yeah that is so interesting to hear that so it's the so interconnected in, is in the stomach that's or in the gut in the gut, the gut. Wow. Like, can you say the gut and the stomach that is two totally different things They're correct different. well yeah because yes. you actually have your stomach right. and your stomach that's where you get your bile and right mm-hmm. yeah. okay so in the gut that's fascinating well yeah we were going to touch on I mean let's just elaborate with that with kind of how the gut influences the brain and like how it all coincides. I mean, you kind of touched on that, but I think people would be shocked on how much the gut controls or impacts, right? Oh, absolutely. You see people where when they get stressed, they get stomach ulcers. I don't know if they've ever, but it's all very connected. And so when Mm -hmm. I work with a client, um, I always suggest that they also work with a therapist. Mm. It's really important to manage your stress. Mm-hmm. And when fixing your gut, you also have to fix your brain. I've worked with clients with PTSD, mm. things like that. But what happens is, actually, I have a personal, my cousin, uh, she ended up getting in a car accident and developed a food allergy to dairy. Oh, my goodness. Just the stress. Just wow. all. Yeah, so just that stress compromised her gastrointestinal lining. And when that opens, you get things that go into your bloodstream that are not supposed, they're not fully broken down. Mm -hmm. And so your red blood cells call on white blood cells, they attack it, they cause an immune response. And now you are allergic to that. That's very oversimplified, but just kind of get you a, give you an idea. And one of the things I see is people with trauma especially children who experience trauma, they develop gastrointestinal issues, autoimmune diseases later on in life because of that trauma as a child. Interesting. Wow. Okay, now that just that just triggered to me my sister. Okay, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. We wanted to explain what autoimmune means, and then I want to elaborate on that. Autoimmune is what, you know? It's when your body's, your, your, immune, your immune system attacks healthy cells. Mm. Oh, healthy cells. Okay, that's a yeah. good way to put it. Yeah, easy way so to understand So it's kind of working it. yes. against yourself. Yes. 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 And so you have things like celiac disease is one of those, mm-hmm. right? Lupus. Well, well, and that's what brings me to celiac. My sister was diagnosed with celiac when she was like 14, 15. Mm-hmm. But she had kind of a dramatic, traumatic experience. She was with my dad when he was carjacked. And so she had like a really scary experience, but like shortly after that, she was diagnosed celiac. So I, that's interesting. Now, could you say, is that reversible? Could you treat the trauma and like control that and kind of fix it or no at that point? With celiacs, I have seen a couple, I have seen a couple trials where they have seen reversal, uh, but it hasn't been duplicatable. 
Interesting. Okay. Okay. So I I don't think that has been studied enough. And just to that point, gastrointestinal health, gut health, the microbiome, we are really in the infancy of Mm -hmm. studying it. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, this is science that we had no idea. Um, like you even look at formulas and how they have evolved. We had no idea that breast milk had all of these, you have human milk oligosaccharides, which are prebiotic fibers that you make as while you breastfeed. Oh my gosh. You have all of this live probiotics that pass on to your baby and that is what constitutes their microbiome. Oh my gosh. And so it's really fascinating. Also vaginal birth, your first bout of bacteria is through the vaginal canal. Yes, And right. knowing these things are not to make women who can't have a vaginal birth or can't breastfeed to even feel bad. It's okay, now that I know that, now what do I do? Right. Yes, like or- what are some action steps that I can do? Um, the majority of the women in my family all had to have C-sections mm-hmm. for one mm-hmm. reason or another. And it's like, okay, so now what? What are some action items I can do to make sure that my child's bacteria levels right. are good? And so there are like actual steps they can take to yes. kind of replace that in place for the breastfeeding. Or so yeah. I have to talk really quick as we're talking about the mind and all of that being interconnected. Do you feel like emotional eating or like stress eating? Some people say, is that kind of like, do you ever see clients with that where they're triggered like when they're stressed out or whatever, they just want to like go binge on sugar and like bad stuff. Or do you feel like when you're eating and following like a better diet, does that type of trigger more at bay? You can control that better. Does it, is it more controllable or are you always going to be kind of battling those temptations temptations, or just those habits? Yeah. Like what you think you want, but you don't. Yeah. Well, this is a really complicated one, uh, eating disorder. So I would, I would classify somebody who's a binge eater under, obviously under an eating disorder. Okay. And one of the things we, we don't know is which came first, the eating disorder or the gut issues or the gut issues or the eating disorder. They're actually really connected. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I have found with my clients is what happened is they tried a diet they tried a very low calorie or macros, or they tried, um, what is that, Weight Watchers? Anything, yeah. Something where they were very restricted mm-hmm. and they developed an eating disorder from that. And what we're finding is because of that caloric restriction and that restriction of different food groups, it starves the bacteria. They're mm-hmm. not feeding it well enough. Or um, Atkins diet, yeah. they weren't having enough fiber. Your bacteria has to have fiber. Like that prebiotic fibers is what it lives off of. So if all you have is meat and fat, it's a lot more difficult for that bacteria to really thrive in that mm-hmm. environment. So one of the things I see is I would say the trigger for that would be a diet. Mm-hmm. When somebody restricts, mm-hmm. they restrict and it messes up their gut. Mm-hmm. And then because of that, then they don't have the proper serotonin levels. They don't have the... It's all interconnected. Exactly. And then, yeah. but then even worse than that, one of the things, um, when you have proper digestion and you're breaking down your food proper, properly, you will produce a chemical called ghrelin. Mm-hmm. And that is a chemical that helps you feel satisfied and full and if you aren't feeling satisfied and full after a great meal, then you might not be digesting your food properly. And that's why even after a meal, you're still binging. Mm-hmm. So, and it can be two part. It can be one, the really emotional aspect of feeling a restriction, which I will say, because I had to overcome 
with my childhood, a feeling of scarcity mm, of right. not having food. I finish all the food on my plate. I will finish food on other people's plate right. because mentally I think, well, when's my next meal going to be? Yeah. And I think that can be very, that's transferable to people with eating disorders where they think I can't have this cake ever again because it's bad. And they, mm-hmm. they deem foods as bad when, if we had a different approach about how we looked at food, if we looked at its functionality, if we said, you know what? My bacteria needs a whole rainbow of fiber. So I'm going to have purple cabbage and I'm going to have tomatoes and I'm going to have sweet potatoes. And I need all of, you know, I need the vitamin A and the vitamin K and all of these different things. If you looked at food differently, I think we would have less of a problem. Instead of the enemy, don't look at food as the enemy, but as your ally and like something you need and is vital. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I've always loved when people say like, it's the fuel to your body and like, just think about what you're putting in. And it's, it's still hard for me to think of it that way sometimes. Oh, it's totally hard for me. We kind of have talked a handful of times throughout our podcast of just how we have an inner battle with just the weight battle and diets and we've tried just it all going Chanel. up and down yeah. and and all the and so when people think of the guide I can't help but think it connects to your weight like kind of like influencing and I guess in a perfect world if we we're all feeding our bodies properly we'd all be healthy and like the proper right weight and getting the exercise right. we need sure. and all sure. of it yeah so but does like gut health connect to like when someone's eating well and feeding their gut right and everything does that contribute to like a healthy weight loss or, and things like that? Do some of your clients seek you out for weight loss? Yeah. So people do seek me out for weight loss. I try not to focus on weight loss. Right. Because I just don't think that is the most important thing in life. Right. Absolutely but our society right. wants to tell us otherwise. And so I try not to focus on weight loss. Yeah. However, that is, I would say like my number one thing that happens when people do my program is they lose weight. Your weight is really an indicator of what's happening inside of your body, whether you're underweight and you're not absorbing everything and you're malnutritioned or overweight and your body doesn't know what to do with it and it's storing things in your connective tissue as fat cells. So you see both of those, but what's really fascinating is how your bacteria influences your weight. There was a study with two twins in Africa and they were identical twins. One was overweight and one was at a normal weight. And what they did is they did a fecal transfer, meaning Mm. they took, right, they took the bacteria in the fecal matter of the healthy twin and they put it into the unhealthy twin and his weight dropped. (gasps) Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Explain that to me. Yes, wait, why? Wait, how? Because you have bacteria that, you have bacteria that's linked with weight gain. You have what bacteria, it's really, like when I say it's at its infancy, it really is, but it is so fascinating to see when you have the right amount of certain bacteria. There's certain bacteria that they, they give off acids that can be more inflammatory. Um, So they all have their different things that they do. I mean, going back to mental health, we call them psychobiotics, but they're probiotics that specifically help with mental health. And some doctors are prescribing this for mental health patients. They're called psychobiotics, Mm -hmm. right? We could target probiotics for different things. Wow. um, Because they aren't, it's not necessarily that they colonize. A lot of people talk about colonizing, but they're transient, meaning they come in, they do something, and then they leave the body. And that's yeah. why you actually need to eat every single day is because you need that every single day. But you have you have bacteria that creates vitamin K. You have yeah. some that produces amino acids. Um, but going back to weight, that is one of the things that we're seeing a lot more of is where people who have that healthy good to bad bacteria ratio, yeah. their body hits a natural healthy weight. Okay, you've referred to bacteria a few times. Yeah. Let's 
let, D- let's, let's define that. that. Let's back because up. Because the bacteria yeah. is in the gut or are we talking about bacteria? Because we have always viewed bacteria as a bad thing. Right. Oh, like, yeah. average, you know what I mean? The average person that hears the word bacteria thinks, oh my gosh, bacteria. I'm going to get sick. Thing. We yeah. don't want bacteria. So explain, because almost all the points you've made, you're referring to the bacteria. So, so what bacteria? Give us your take on bacteria. It is very good. It is very essential. Like I said, you are 10 times more bacteria than human. And Right. You said that at the very beginning. So everyone has bacteria in their body. In and on. Your and entire skin is coated in bacteria. So when you guys, when we shook hands right when we came in, we transferred bacteria, which is good. Wow. Interesting. So there's a, this thing called the germ theory. Yes. And that's, what, that's one of the concerns right now with people just locked up in their house and over sanitizing is we do need some exposure Absolutely. to bacteria. Absolutely. Um, that's one of the reasons why people who own dogs they actually are healthier than people who don't own dogs. Your dogs bring in junk all the time. Right. And so when kids, they play on the ground, they put stuff in their mouth, right? And all of this. And what that does is that increases this bacteria. Your immunity, right? And it helps with your immune system. And a big part of that is that it doesn't, it allows for your immune system to be substantial for when an opportunist bacteria comes in and takes the show. Yeah. So a lot of people think of probiotics and bacteria is the exact same thing. What probi- the actual definition of probiotics is that it has a certain amount, it's been tested, and that certain bacteria, and we know that that those bacteria are therapeutic for a certain thing. Whether mm. it's for the brain, whether it helps with diarrhea, whether it helps with your skin, right? They have to actually have a clear concise this is the measurement, this is the type of bacteria, and this is what it does. Oh. So a lot of times people will buy a kombucha or kimchi or sauerkraut, and they're like, oh, I'm killing it with all of these probiotics. But you have to hold on. You don't know what strains are in there. You don't know what those strains do, and you don't know how many because they haven't been tested. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you shouldn't partake of these things because having bacteria from all of these different sources is really important. However, it just can't be called a probiotic because we don't know how much, what it is, and what it does. Yeah. So that would be the difference. And that's why I I tell people, take a probiotic where you know exactly how much you're getting, especially if you're taking antibiotics. I deal with a lot of clients who they've been taking antibiotics for acne. And one of the scary things is, is when you take an antibiotic, it influences your microbiome for three years at least. Whoa. You can't just replace that bacteria from antibiotics. So antibiotics need to be taken very, like extremely, extremely serious because they influence your health for a significant amount of time. They're great. They're an amazing invention and they are definitely needed. However, they should not be taken for certain things that they aren't really needed for. Acne is one of those things. Yeah. I would never tell somebody to take antibiotics for acne. There are so many better ways to help with your skin. Um, I wouldn't tell somebody, obviously, with a cold, right? Any sort of virus, bacteria, it's only for bacterial issues, not for viral issues. Yeah. Interesting. So how would someone know, like, what probiotic, probiotic to take for themselves? Like, is that just, like, between the doctor? Yeah. Or that's what I was going to say. Are there, like, core things that the listeners should be doing that, you, like, are just the baseline yeah, things or that you would pro- suggest? Right. Probiotic-wise, yeah. you yeah. mean, or daily? Or, yeah, any of it. I would say taking a probiotic with 20 billion live active cultures in it. Okay. At least 20 billion. You want to have a mix of lacto and bifido strains. Okay. More tailored than that, it gets too confusing for people. 
So those would be like my main things. And then also looking for some sort of protection. Like my, pro- my probiotics are lipid protected. So they are coated in a fat so that they survive humidity. They survive your saliva. They survive the harsh environment of your stomach. Oh. And that way fat, fat is broken down later on. So when your body breaks down that fat, it releases this probiotic into your gut where it's able to do what it needs to do. And so there's a lot of different ways. Some people, so like mine's lipid protected. You have some people where they do a really slow releasing capsule. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh So it's, you know, so it takes a little bit longer. There's not, not not necessarily guarantees, but it does definitely help. Uh, I do stay away from enteric coatings. You'll see that enteric coated, but because that's a chemical coating, I do usually stay away from that. Okay. Awesome. Oh my gosh. And any type of like vitamin or anything like that that you suggest, or I know your website has like loads of supplements and like good suggestions of things. Do you feel like those are kind of one size fits all or do, do people really need to like consult with first? a multivitamin or, or with any of the supplement vitamins, things like that? Yeah multivitamins are not necessary. I think a lot of times we think that we have to have them, but there are certain things that we are more deficient in, right? And like vitamin D we're deficient in. Mm -hmm. But I would tell somebody to get out in the sun before I would tell them to take it orally. It's actually Mm -hmm. way more important to get it from the sun than orally. Mm -hmm. I think most of your stuff you can get from food as long as you digest food properly right? As long as you're breaking it down and it's absorbing and it's being utilized, that's where people with autoimmune diseases, people with poor functioning uh, digestive systems, they are more likely to need to supplement on top of that. Mm -hmm. I would prefer somebody get tested and find out where their deficiencies are. Um, If you are vitamin C or if which is very, is not very common, right? To have a vitamin C deficiency. But if you're deficient in anything, it's great to go and and figure out what you are. And Mm -hmm. so that you, you know, if you need to take a vitamin C spray, perfect. If you need to take magnesium, great, right? And it can be tailored towards you. However, not all people have that afforded to them. Not all people can afford to go in and get testing. And that is really important to know. Like when I look at my, when me, Growing up, um, I didn't have the ability to get all the testing that I should have had. Um, And because of that, just understanding to get it from food. It's so much cheaper to get food. uh, I mean, to get your vitamin and minerals from food. It's absolutely free to go outside and get your vitamin D, right? Mm -hmm. So there are definitely more cost-effective ways. However, I do think supplements bridge a gap that we're finding in our food. It's very difficult to get everything from our food right now because of our soil depletion rates. Mm. Our soil doesn't have enough in it to make our produce. Like an apple today and an apple 50 years ago is different. Wow. Oh, yeah. And so sure. you need, they're saying roughly about 16 servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Oh. Uh, what? Who, 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 yeah. who are these people who are getting, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. I think, so I think that kind of stuff is important to know. And that's where a multivitamin comes in. That's why I say it's not essential, but it is a good idea. Yeah. And, uh, but even more of a better idea is obviously being able to get testing. But if you can't afford that, mm-hmm. then getting a whole food multivitamin is mm-hmm. a great, a great way just to bridge the gap between food and what your body needs. To go back to the testing that you talked about, if somebody's listening and they're like, interest is peaked there. Where do you even start? Is that a general doctor? Like who does that sort of testing that you're talking about? 
you can you can go to a, just a general doctor. Yeah, you can I mean, go to a naturopathic doctor. Going to like a functional medicine doctor. So a functional medicine doctor is somebody who has a certain degree and then on top of that, a functional medicine degree. So whether they were a chiropractor or an MD or something else, um, and then they went on to get a functional medicine license. So they have a significant amount of schooling. Okay. And part of that is that they are able to, one, run the tests, interpret the tests, and then prescribe you something. Okay. And okay. that's really, that is important. Yeah. I have a lot of functional medicine doctors who pass on their IBS patients to me, mm-hmm. and I put them through a low FODMAP program, right? So that I'll have doctors who, they aren't going to coach you through a nutritional program. Mm-hmm. They don't have the time. It would be crazy expensive to pay a doctor to do check-ins every week, mm-hmm. right? And so they pass those on to me. But it's great when somebody comes to me and their doctor says, okay, they had this test, this test, this test. This is what we found. It makes it a lot easier for me to say, okay, you do not even need this, but yeah. this is what I would do. So what test are you requesting? What's it called? So, well, you, so you can do a nutritional panel. Nutritional panel. Yeah, so you can figure out nutritional panel. There's other things like um, when I have somebody with thyroid disorders, Mm -hmm. because that's definitely connected to the gut, Mm -hmm. I always have them ask their doctor for an iodine test to figure out where their iodine levels are. Because you need iodine in order to produce T3 and T4. Okay. And so that's one of the things. So it kind of depends on per, you know, per case. I have to ask. I've had hypothyroidism since I was 12. Yeah. I've been on medicine since I was 12 years old. Are you saying that there's something related to the gut that could help me with my thyroid? Yes. I'm blown away. Well, so the thyroid is, is really connected. Is, it's, like, almost everything is actually connected to the gut in a different way. And when somebody's gut is compromised, how it manifests itself can be different. Uh-huh. And I'm not saying that you take a probiotic yeah, and your thyroid issue is fixed. Yeah, right. I think some people think it's that simple. And it's really not. It's, there, it's, you have to help. You have to fix your diet. Yeah. You have to, supplements usually are necessary just to bridge that gap. And then on top of that, it is managing stress and anxiety and getting sleep and looking at your water quality and your air quality and mold in your home. There are, there could be a lot of different things. So I try to narrow it down to when you eat, make sure you're eating a rainbow of food. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you're having. Well, what you're about to say, is this kind of speaking for any unhealthy gut? Like, a rainbow of food, like tips that we can kind of to start treating unhealthy guts, a rainbow of food. I love that. I've seen that on your, on your Instagram. Keep going. A rainbow of food. What else can people do for their unhealthy gut? Okay. So there's a difference between gut health and gut healing. Mm. Okay. And that's actually really important because what I would recommend for somebody like me who has a healthy gut and what I would do to maintain a healthy gut is dramatically different than what I would do for somebody who needs gut healing. That's me. Okay. Hey, I need to be healed. If somebody Show her. If somebody has something like IBS, okay. right? So there is a university called Monash University. It's in Australia. And they found that certain foods were testing for different types of sugars that we call FODMAPs. And when and so they're different foods that have these types of sugars and they can inflame or irritate the gut, ferment quickly, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so they're called FODMAPs. And so when somebody has IBS, I put them on a low FODMAP, low inflammatory, gluten-free, dairy-free, peanut-free diet. Mm -hmm. And I do an elimination diet to see what is causing their issues. And I'll have people who, onions, hurt their guts. Yeah, yeah. Garlic hurts their guts. Onions and garlic are so healthy for you. 
Right. They have cor- you know, and they're like, in so many things. Yeah. They're great for the immune system. They have quercetin, all of this stuff. But they could wreak havoc on somebody with IBS. Yeah. Oh. Mangoes, right? Like things that are totally healthy can mm. be detrimental on somebody with IBS. Mm-hmm. And so knowing the difference is, so I have somebody do an elimination diet and they'll do an elimination diet for about four, six, maybe six weeks usually tops unless right. somebody has severe issues or they, they ate things like high FODMAPs a lot more frequently than maybe they should have. But they'll yeah. do an elimination diet. And what that does is that eliminates the problematic foods and then that gives your body time to heal itself. Mm-hmm. And you feed your body with things like L-glutamine, which your epithelial cells, which is the gut lining cells, they need L-glutamine in order to function properly. Wow. And in order to actually have that, you know, that gut lining form. Again, I'm talking with my hands a lot. No, I love this. So I'm hearing like when people consult with you, you are like, <laughs> you kind of customize it. You figure out really what the root of their specific issues are. Yeah. And then you kind of create a roadmap for them to go forward. Yeah. This is like fascinating to me. I, I can't believe how many big words that you're using. <laughs> the words, no, I like the words that you're saying in my body, that are in my body. I'm just like, oh snap, will you please go, just hold my hand and walk me through this for life? Because now I'm just like, I gotta buy the book. I gotta buy it all. Because I'm just like, my mind's like kind of the emoji blown. No. Like I'm like, really? It is like, it's just crazy how unhealthy I guess we really are. I know. Unhealthy we really are. I know. Ah, so how long have you been this like, well, gut how long expert. have you been the gut girl? But like, how long have you been, how long have you eaten and really dedicated to your body? Like this sort of, yeah. About a decade. Yeah. 10 yeah. years. Oh yeah. my gosh. Amazing. Yeah. And do you feel like your sleep and like headaches and all? The PMS thing is fascinating yeah. to me. If, the fact that PMS is gone, oh. Yeah. If I could tell you just the, oh, I wish you could see, I wish you were inside of my body as a teenager yeah. or as a like really young, you know, 20 year old. Right. I was, I was obese. Mm-hmm. I had cystic acne. Mm-hmm. My hair was falling out. I was depressed. I had anxiety. Um, my periods were so painful that I would, I mean, I was the girl with a heating pad. Like uh. I said, Soma's, that's a muscle relaxant. Loratab, that's a painkiller, uh. which those two, by the way, are terrible on your gut. So that just made my gut issues worse. Um, like I said, I, and I hated myself. Like, I know that's so weird to say, but yeah. when people looked at me, I thought all they could see was my acne. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was tired all the time. I remember I fell asleep in between two classes once and missed my entire organic chemistry class. And my teacher had to come out and she woke me up after the class and asked me if I was okay. And Mm. you you see, I see the girl who I was and I had no self-esteem. It was really hard for me today. I had, you know, I just all of these things. And now I look at it and I I have so much more confidence. I get on stage and I teach thousands of people about gastrointestinal health thousands Amazing. i have guest spoken in Cal- or in canada all over the united states i mean hundreds of times now oh, yeah. uh and i can get on a facebook live and just sit there and talk with people and yeah. i can have these one-on-one consultations and look at me i can be the guest on a podcast this 10 years ago there is no way, absolutely no yeah. way that I would have ever dared do this. Oh. I have no pictures of myself then. Everyone always wants a before and after. I was so self-conscious, I would have never taken a photo of myself. Oh, wow. And so I look at that, and now I am happy and energetic. Yeah. I, I have a baby, mm-hmm. and 
my husband, bless his soul, he was there when I was 18 years old. Oh. He's been, so we actually fell in love when I was at my heaviest and my oh. unhealthiest. And if you could hear his side of the story is he is blown away that I wasn't confident because he thought I was beautiful oh. at 150 pounds. And, and to put that in perspective, yeah. I'm, you're She's petite. I'm just over 5'1". She's yeah. So yeah, I'm petite. <laughs> and so I... And we would go on dates. And like I said, I had gastroesophageal reflux disease, and but I was a binge eater. So I would eat all this food at dinner and I threw up, I'm not kidding you, over a dozen times after our dates, he would have to pull off the side of the road and let me throw up. Like oh, my husband thing. has seen oh. the craziest but thing to I me. love this at the same the time. Like he loves you. The journey. Oh, That's he amazing. loves me. And he's my number one cheerleader. He is at oh. home with Coco while I'm here. You know, he... It's that's amazing. Yeah, he's great. And so I see, but I see who I was and I see who I am. And like I said, it wasn't that I wasn't lovable. He loved me at my heaviest. It wasn't that being overweight or having acne or any of these things make you unlovable. It's the mental health of it. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that I could not look past all of these things to see my value to love yourself. and to love myself. Yeah. And yes. I found that you cannot heal a body you hate. Yeah. Let me say it again. You cannot heal a body you hate. You have to love your body in order to say, like, when you go to a restaurant and you have the choice between something that has tons of gluten and dairy and is artificial versus something like rotisserie chicken, right? Which still tastes really good. Of course. And you have to think, like, what? Like, how much do I love my body? Right. How much do I actually love my body and what am I willing to do to make sure that I feel great? And I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to be deprived. No, I eat really well. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at my cookbook, the recipes are amazing. I get, mm-hmm. you know, I get a lot of really good reviews because you can eat well. And being a food, I'm also a food chemist. Mm-hmm. I know how to make things taste good. Yeah. You know, people give us a hard time because they're like, you only want to think make things taste good. I'm like, there's a way to make things taste good mm-hmm. and have them feed your body the way it needs to be fed. Are there ever days where, be honest, you miss the old like sugary gluten filled all the things the the naughty foods you were eating back then you know what I mean or do no, you that, indulge like do maybe you, you do, do yeah. It, yeah do you like the donuts well, if you have and, a slice of cake at a party or no is that something you don't do no, uh, so I found okay and this is really fascinating I used to eat everything Right, like I used to just eat everything. I was no respecter, even if it tasted good. For some weird reason, it was, if it was junk food, of course it had to taste good. But one of the things that happened is as I put myself through a protocol, my taste buds absolutely changed. Uh, A raw cashew tastes amazing to me. It's Mm -hmm. like sweet and there's like almost something creamy about it. Like I love it. Avocados. I love avocados and sweet potatoes and coconut oil. And like I make these turmeric burgers Mm. and they are out of this world good. Mm -hmm. And so I think your taste buds definitely change. I will eat a piece of cake. And it's and disgusting. Like, it's like plastic. And it has like no flavor. Or like and, a French or fry. Or a candy bar. Like, There's yeah. certain candy bars where I'm like, this is not even real chocolate. Because now I know what real chocolate tastes like. And so I think your taste buds definitely yes. do change. Well, to where too. Yeah. I mean, there's still some things like a Cafe Rio sweet pork quesadilla. I still love that. Best and ever. I will still eat that. And so will, you will still eat yes. that once in a while. So yeah. I believe in kind of 80 to 90, like really clean and then 10% you have to be able to live your life and go out and do things uh but make sure you actually like the food you're eating and I think that's another healthy part of food is 
Like, I'm not going to go out and eat a piece of cake because I don't like cake. I found out I don't yeah. like cakes or cookies. I don't even like bread. Mm-hmm. Like, but I love butter. So sometimes bread is just the vehicle for butter to get into my mouth. Yes, right? yes, totally. But if I'm going to eat butter, I'm going to eat the real stuff. I'm mm-hmm. not going to eat, you know, I'm not going to eat the, the waxy. Oh, yeah. The, I can't believe it's <laughs> yes. not butter. Well, yes. guess what? Your body knows it's not butter. Yeah. And it acts accordingly. Oh, my gosh. So do you eat out? I guess that's another question. Or when you, I guess when I hear the term clean eating, eating clean, that very much is like fixing the food at your home, you know, controlling where you get it, what you buy, you know, all, how it's prepared, all the things. Do you feel like you've been able to find options like eating out and things like that? Yeah. And you can do both. So I, when I eat it out, like you'll see, so we have aubergine here, which is Mm -hmm. like a Brazilian place and they have these nourishing bowls and they are so good. Like they have this curry and it's made with sweet potatoes and carrots and peas and it's so good Mm -hmm. and grilled chicken and they have these gluten-free, uh, they're like, Cheese rolls, okay. Like Brazilian cheese rolls. Yes, oh, but they're gluten free. Yeah, yeah, they oh, are. My... Those are to die for. Oh yeah, I can have a bag of them. Yes, just pop them in. Yes, okay. and so you can find uh, just down the street. If you guys, while you're here, you can go to Core Life Eatery. They okay. have all organic options. They have bone broth, which is amazing for gut health. Right? They have all these uh, fermented foods there. Okay, and that place is really good. Okay. so there are definitely there's protein foundry here, mm-hmm. right? So there's yep. a lot of places where you can find really incredibly nourishing foods that taste amazing okay however sometimes when we go on a road trip to we just went on a road trip to St. George well we had to stop at places right and so like when I go to Wendy's like I get chili because I like their chili right yeah and so I try to choose things that aren't going to make me feel gross yeah and by by feeling gross I do not mean feeling fat I think a lot of people take it that way I want to live my life having energy and I want to be happy and if my food doesn't make me have energy or make me happy, I'm not going to eat it. Instead just of because, being lethargic and bloated. Yeah. Well, can I ask you this? Because you've eaten so clean for so long, when you do eat Cafe Rio, do you get like a stomach ache or gas after? Really? Your stomach can adjust to it? Because even when I like want to be diet and nothing like you, of course, when I kind of go back to even this trip, like yeah. traveling and eating, I've been here a week now. Almost every night, I just had a stomachache because I'm just eating so terribly, and it's like the gas and the stomachache. I'm like, your oh. body's yelling at you. Yeah, my body's yelling. Stop at it, me. Lauren. So, do you get that way, or do you know how to like balance it a little bit? I don't get that way at all. That's so, and, and I think a lot okay. of people. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. So, I used to be. This is funny. I used to be gluten. I used to be gluten intolerant. I used to be allergic to dairy. Uh, wow. And so, what happened is, uh, my husband and I, we had a miscarriage about about two years ago. Yeah. And I. I was taken back because I was so healthy. Yeah. Like how in the world course. did I have a miscarriage? Find out. Like one in every four women. I had no idea how yes. common yeah. and prevalent it is. And then it's more of a, it actually has very little to do with your body. And it actually has more to do with just evolution. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't really realize that. But so I was like, oh, I got to figure out what is wrong, right? So I went to a naturopathic doctor. I got all my hormones tested. I got all my food allergies tested. And it was right here in Provo. And we sat down. I went through it all and no longer allergic to gluten, no wow. longer allergic to dairy. I had zero food sensitivities. Oh, that's which, incredible. Like I said, me 10 years ago, I everything hurt my stomach. Yes. And so I had all of this. And then he said, he's like, your hormones are all great, except for your progesterone is really high. So mm. I just lose it. You know, I just start crying. Cause I'm like, yeah. what does this mean? Oh, he's like, you you're pregnant. pregnant? <laughs> 
course. So that's how I found out I was pregnant oh, with Coco. Yes. So it was like the best day of my life. That I'm is. not allergic to gluten anymore. That I'm not allergic to dairy anymore. And I'm pregnant. Oh, oh my god. I love that. Yeah. Well, no, I. So I, I can mean, eat those things. Yes, exactly. I. Oh my gosh, I love that. Um, Tell us a little bit in a nutshell about your program and like what people can find on your website. I mean, I mean, we followed you on Instagram for a while. Yes, now. Um, it's your name, Chanel Cosette. Yes, handle um, Chanel known Cosette. as the Gut Girl. Uh-huh. And um, but yeah, tell us about your program. And, I, and you say clients. Like, what do you, in a nutshell? Just your book yeah. and like what you do for clients. And- okay, so with my program, I do a few different things. So when I do one-on-one consultations, where we get on a Zoom and we talk. I go over how you were born. I go over your childhood, any trauma. I go over everything to see when these issues started, maybe why, because that can help me kind of assess what some action items are for you to do. Plus, I want to know your lifestyle, right? Yeah. Is it realistic for you to eat 100% organic homemade meals? Or are you traveling a lot and I need to more customize and say, okay, when you go out to eat, this is what to look for and this is what to stay away from, Yeah. right? And so I try to really customize it to make it convenient for people's life because that's usually the reason their health became the way it was is because of certain inconveniences or certain, yeah, there's certain lifestyle things. And so we, we always talk about that. And so when I work with a one-on-one client, I really customize things to work for them and their lifestyle. But like I said, not everybody can afford to do one-on-one. And so that's why I also just have a program where you buy the program and you buy the product, um, and you can, put yourself through it. It's very yes. self-explanatory. And then I also have a Facebook group where you can get support and ask questions and all of that. And what it is, is they do four weeks of elimination yep. where we eliminate problematic foods and we really focus on giving the body all the things it needs in order for your body to heal itself. Mm-hmm. My program doesn't heal. My program just sets the stage to let your body do what it was supposed to do, yeah. right? Your body is supposed to function a certain way. And we just have to create an environment that allows it to do just that. Mm -hmm. So then after the four weeks, I coach them on how to slowly reintroduce foods and test your body. Mm -hmm. As much as I love testing and I love food allergy tests and all of these, they are not foolproof and they get things wrong. Actually, a lot of the time, the best test is your own body. The Mm -hmm. best test is tasting something and saying, how do I feel? Did I break out? Did I have brain fog? Did it, you know, did it impact my sleep? Did I get a stomach ache? Right. All of those things. And we slowly start to reintroduce these foods until you can eat all the foods because you want to eat all the foods. Yeah, you do. And then after that maintenance is really just kind of, like I said, 80, 20 or 90, 10, where you eat really good, wholesome foods, anti-inflammatory. I tried most people, most people don't know this, but 75% of black people are allergic to dairy. They're lactose intolerant. Over 90% of Asians are. And roughly 18 to 25% of European descents are allergic to dairy. Interesting. That is a huge portion of our population that has dairy sensitivities. And so for most people, I do tell them just to eliminate dairy. Or when you have dairy, just have it very sparingly. uh, Because our bodies just don't produce the enzymes necessary to break it down. Well, I found that... So I have three children. Two of my three boys were not able to do dairy milk. I saw that right away, like how their bowels were when, you know, they moved to milk. And yeah, we've had to switch to alternate. So that, that does not surprise me. And if I had me. to guess, I would say 
Number one, dairy would probably be George's, yeah. my husband's problem, the root of the problem. It's I'm my sure husband's. There's yeah. probably other things, but I think dairy, because yeah. I mean, to the ice cream, to the milk, to the, I mean, he just. All of it. But it all kind of gives him that stomach Oh my yeah. God. And when people get organs removed, like gallbladder removals, I mean, most of the time they have a lactose intolerance problem. Yeah. And so it's very, it's very, very common. And because of that, I am not saying all dairy is bad. However, for most people, it is bad. Yeah. For most people, it does not give your body it what it needs do, to. Right. It creates inflammation with that brain fog, attention deficit issues. You know, a lot of people with autism, they say for them to go off of gluten mm-hmm. and go off of food colors yep. um, and right. even dairy. Right. And the, a significant amount of people with autism also have gut issues and sensory issues. And so it's, I mean, this problem of poor gut health and food sensitivities, it hits the majority of the population. Yet my one gripe with our, the way our government is ran is the USDA still has dairy as Mm -hmm. on the food plate, Mm -hmm. right? Dairy is still a recommended food group and it shouldn't be. Really? I mean, this needs to be reevaluated when, I mean, and when we talk about things like different ethnicities, that's a big thing is if you are telling people you need to have dairy, but 75% of them are, you know, have a lactose intolerance. Like that's a big concern right. that I, we need to teach differently. Totally. And you just think of like the adolescent years and how much dairy, milk is pushed oh, from like totally. toddler to like older, get your milk. And that's just really interesting. Wow. Oh, I yeah. just feel like we need to educate our children on this so oh, much I know. more. I know. I've talked about this in previous episodes, but how I started out so optimistic as a mother <laughs> wanting to like... Because I know my battle with food. I know like I have always wanted to stay trim and like feel good and all the things. And I've been on a continual life search to like, I I just like found you girl. I'm so excited Mm -hmm. right now Mm -hmm. that I feel like, and I I just have said to Lauren so many times, I feel like I'm failing in my efforts to like give my children what I wanted to, like to teach them the things I'm falling into the habits that I knew as a kid, you know what I mean? And like all the convenience foods and all the stuff because, because true whole food eating is so daunting to me. It's so unknown to me. And it's so, I, it is, it's such a big concept that I just don't understand. I'm not a good cook. I'm not a cook. Like I didn't grow up in a family where, I mean, we were very blessed to eat out a lot and like have those types of comforts. And so I just didn't, I wasn't raised around it. And so it's yeah. very like uncomfortable for me to be in the kitchen, to be honest. Like yeah. to me, it's like I'm creating this mess and it's not worth it. And I just want a clean kitchen. And so all the things. And so I'm just like so excited. Girl, I'm signing up. Good. You have converted me. <laughs> I yeah. am on the we train. We are converted. I am this signing up. Answer. I might get back on Facebook because of this. Just to get in the support group, okay? <laughs> yeah, I might. Facebook group. Um, I'm so excited. I no, really am. All of this is really just inspiring, really. You're, it you're totally very is. So your story is inspiring all this information I think it's like so you know motivating for our family and our children just to be healthier it totally is it can be overwhelming and it absolutely can be daunting like you said people aren't used to eating whole foods they're used to convenience and eating out and so I think if I could give anybody advice on what to do today it would be drink those eight glasses of water I know it can be hard but do it because that is one of the top things that help with digestion. Mm-hmm. In fact, the majority of constipation in the United States can be linked to dehydration. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're drinking those eight glasses of water a day. And when you sit down to eat, look at the colors, right? Like 
look at it and say, okay, do I have something in this group? Do I have an orange? Do I have a purple? And try to get the colors throughout the day because the more diverse your diet is, the more diverse your microbiome and your bacteria is. I love that. So if you can just do two things and, and it can even be try a new vegetable this week. Every week you go to the grocery store, pick a different fruit or different vegetable than the week before. Yes. Right. And Start switching things up a little bit. But if you can do those two things, that can really impact your health in a very positive way without being overwhelming. Oh, I love that. I have to ask one more follow-up question. I have like a billion floating around in my brain, but I know we don't have that much time. Organic versus non-organic. I I think I know what you're going to say. I'll be honest. A lot of times I don't buy the organic because again... You know, I I don't know. Like, well, is but is there is tr- it worth truth it? To that? Yes. Is is it like if you, if I'm staring at strawberries that are half the cost sitting next to the organic strawberries, is it worth buying the organic at twice the cost? Okay, that is a great question. Okay, I want to start off with it is more important to eat fruits and vegetables than it is to worry about organic versus non-organic. Okay, if you are sitting out there listening to this and you're thinking, I do not have, it's hard enough for me to buy strawberries, yeah. let alone organic strawberries, because it's expensive. Buy the non-organic strawberries. It is so much more important. Or go and buy the frozen one. Yeah. Those are picked at the peak of ripeness and they are frozen, flash frozen, so they don't oxidize and lose their nutritional value. Love frozen that. is one of like the secrets of getting in all of your nutrients and it not going bad and you feeling like you wasted your money. Right? Okay, that's a nugget of information. I so that's that. really important. So love when people that. are worried about money, I would say buy frozen. If you can buy organic frozen and keep it longer, that is a great thing. However, fruit and vegetables trumps organic versus non-organic okay but if you have the money for organic organic is superior to non-organic only because of glyphosate Ooh, okay. okay, so glyphosate. another word. Those I words. Know, there, big, we need hard a bell. Words. These, I know. There's I know. a lot of bells. Is it like a jar? I just put a <laughs> yeah. cash in the. Yeah, exactly. Every time I do a swear word, <laughs> aka a long word. <laughs> well, okay, so we going back. When we have glyphosate, that's what's in our weed killer, right? Roundup, anybody? No, Roundup? Yes, right, right. So I don't know if you've seen all the lawsuits against yes. Roundup for causing cancer. Oh. Okay. We're eating Roundup. Is that what you're telling me? So it's getting sprayed (gasps) on our produce. So it's really important if you buy non-organic to clean them. Yes. You have to clean them. Yes. And that doesn't mean it still can get some of it inside the fruit, right? It can. However, it's just more important to clean it. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to scare somebody in not eating it because it is more important because you have all these anti-carcinogenic antioxidants in berries, So berries have antioxidants that help fight free radical damage. Free radical damage is what turns into cancer, right? Oh my goodness. So eating a berry is more important than not eating a berry. Right. But if you can go for organic, homegrown, food or farmer's market, whatever, those are actually really inexpensive. If you can do that, it is better. Uh, But if you can't, don't sweat it. And I think that's another thing is we cannot stress like you, you even being worried about you know, not being a good enough mom because you can't feed your kid. Stop. The stress is a, the biggest gut killer of all. I, I'm tense It's okay. Right now, I know. So just let's give you a massage. Let's rising. relax. <laughs> breathe in. Breathe out. I know. Oh. Seriously. <laughs> just do the best you can. And I don't think yeah. they say like the, the way to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. Right? Yes. But it's you can do better. Yeah. And it's okay to acknowledge that without beating yourself up. Yeah. Totally. It's okay to not beat yourself up after a meal and say, you know what, man, all I ate was all this junk 
and I should probably just eat an apple. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that's okay. Just don't beat yourself up about yeah. it because that's worse. But it's okay to take accountability for your health. Because I think a big problem is, is that we've put our health into other people's hands for way too long. It's time to empower ourselves. It's time yes. to say, this is my body and I'm going to feed it what I want. Yes, girl. Amen. That's the message to close oh up Oh my on. gosh. I love that. So good, Chanel. Thank you so I much. We love having you. I we love need also, a part two already. I know. I know. We're going to have to come back. And I like also feel like it's like, Taste the rainbow. I, I love that. The rainbow. Not Drink Skittles. Just what? taste the rainbow. Not the actual Skittles. Yes. yes. Taste right, the rainbow. Right, right. Not the Skittles. I just want to clarify. Eat that, <laughs> eat that rainbow of vegetables. Yes. And, um, and drink yeah, your water. And take back your body. I love it. I love it. Love it. Well, oh. thanks so much, girl. Thank we you so, so much. We're so happy to have you here and wish you all the best. And we want you to come back. Yeah. If Well, we can come back. If you're ever in Arizona. Okay. Absolutely. You, you hit us up. Okay. Where can people find you? So you can find me. My personal blog is chanelcosette.com. And by personal blog, it has food recipes. It has plastic-free breast milk storage. I do everything on mm-hmm. how to live holistically from skincare mm-hmm. to health to even the way I raise my baby. Um, so all of that, but my actual business, my shop is shoploveyourgut.com. That's where you can do one-on-one consultations. That's where you can find my program, my guide, recipe book, and then all of my Love Your Gut products. Yep. And on Instagram, you are Chanel Cosette. Yes. Um, and Facebook as well. Yes, yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Facebook, what's that? Di- I know. Facebook's dying uh, a slow death. Okay, I know. I haven't. I know. It's so true. Okay. Well, what's your TikTok? I know. No, just I know, kidding. I know. <laughs> we are not a TikToker. No, no, we're not. Oh, okay. So with that, we will wrap up this episode. Yes. If you like what you hear, go follow Chanel. Go check us out. Subscribe to the podcast. Um, leave us a rating and review if you don't mind. And yeah, we will be back next Monday with more. Yes. Thank you. Take care of each other. All right. Bye bye.